So, Zach. What's up? What are you going to do next week when I'm not here? Cry. Or bring on someone to replace you. I'm not sure yet. Ooh. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Down the Tape. I am Zach. Nope, I'm on a hiatus because you said you were going to replace me. Well, I mean, you do what you can. <laughs> so breaking news, guys. This is Hector. Said what I said. I will be going on vacation, and Zach will be in charge of next week's episode all alone. Yeah, we're going back to pre-Hector times, which means I need to find talent other than myself uh, because... Y'all don't want that again. Y'all don't want me just speaking alone, especially now that you can see me. Um, so, And some of the more interesting news is we know who's coming. Yes. Yes. So won't say it yet. In my defense, they were handpicked by Hector himself. So it's not like I was like, oh, good. You're going. Finally, I can replace you. Hector was like, hey, I'm going. And this is who I want to replace me. So they come highly recommended. And I'll give a little bit of a hint. We have worked with them before. Ooh. Ooh, splat. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this week, it works the same way every week. But I'll still tell you, we're going to do Around the World of Sports. It's going to be big, just like last week. Uh, football is a little slow right now, so get over it. Uh, we're going to answer the trivia question. But has uh, it been we... lately? What? <laughs> but has it been lately? Well, yeah. Yes. Well, that's a good segue. <laughs> Uh, because we will eventually be talking about Julio Jones and what's going on with him. Um, and we're going to start bringing on a segment called Interesting Stories of the Week, where Hector picks one and I pick one of an interesting story that has come out uh, that we just kind of want to spend a few minutes on. So, Hector, with no further ado, and with no more gilding the lily, talk to me. All right. So, around the world of sports has been great. In a lot of ways, because right now, NHL is in their playoffs. Uh-huh. NBA are in their playoffs. And now we're at the point where June's about to hit around the corner. And this is a prime time when, when teams start really trying to heat up in the MLB to push hard for the for the All-Star break. Uh-huh. So like, I'm just so shocked that we raced here this quickly. How is it already coming up on the All-Star break? But then you think about it, it's only been three weeks since the NFL draft. It's like, what? Yeah, man. It's time is really fucking weird during all of this shit. But it's prime summer. It's great. Weather's getting hot. It's just, we got all sports at at peak right now. So it's just amazing. So we're going to go over, we'll run over to the NHL real quick. And we're going to talk a little bit over on what's going on because the Islanders and the Penguins are actually, it's a very good series. Tie 2-2. And by the time they hear this episode, the time you guys hear this episode, we will know who's ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'm a little surprised that the Islanders are giving the Penguins such a fight, and it almost makes me believe that they can come out of this with a victory. Yes. Like the and whole series, not just note, that game. And a little side note that goes over with the NFL, boom, the Jets, Zach Wilson took his entire offensive line to the game the other day. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that was one of the highlights when I saw. I was they were like, dude, this guy right now doesn't have anybody as a as a competition for the QB spot because they don't have anybody signed besides him. Sure. But it's good way to show leadership and camaraderie to take your offensive line and start building relationships. He's been contacting his wide receivers, like really pushing hard. Yeah, I yeah, I think it's a it's a smart move. You can't be mad at your quarterback who takes care of his big men. So I'm yeah. Islanders are playing really good, and you know what? I, as I'm a Rangers fan, but it's New York, and nice. I I hope they take out Penguins because, like, I really hate the Penguins more than I hate the Islanders. I mean, I, I guess I hope the Islanders beat the Penguins, but I have lived my entire life calling the Islanders a JV team. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is not fun for me. Uh, 
with the Maple Leafs and the Canadians, they're also tied in their series. Uh-huh. Right now, the, the Islanders series is tied 2-2, so we'll know who, who you know, their ending is. It's going to be quicker. Right, uh, right. Canadians right now are tied 1-1. By the time everybody hears this episode, they'll also know who's up 2-1. to one. Right, um, right. But that's been a pretty solid game, too. Very close games lately, too. Yeah, there's been, what, like two double overtimes, two or three overtimes, one or two, you know, last-second game-winning goals. I mean, this has been a very, very good NHL playoff so far. And then this is where it gets interesting. <laughs> the next three matchups are just complete blowouts. Yeah, so right. the Lightning and are just completely stomping on the Panthers, 3-1. to one. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. The Oilers are just smacking up the Jets 3-0. Right. And the Wild is up 3-1 on the, uh, who is it, the Golden... The Vegas Golden Knights. Golden Knights? Yep, yep, yep. Which is crazy, because I actually had the Golden Knights. I did as well. I, I mean, there's obviously... Further like, than that. Right. I mean, obviously, like, for me, the Lightning doing what they're doing isn't necessarily surprising, but I am a little bit surprised to see the Knights not playing you know as well as they should yeah i mean they obviously are a better team than the wild i don't know what's going on right so <laughs> we'll and leave yeah, i mean apparently not though i, I would think that they are but apparently fucking you know what's the issue the rangers aren't in the playoffs oh that's always the fucking issue no matter what <laughs> you're talking about ah, oh shit so we'll go over to mlb because the NBA is going to be a very, very good one. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, we got to end with that. Uh, just for these Boston guys, man. <laughs> I gotta. You it. have to go there. You have so, to go there. To. You know, I always got to start like I got straight to the gut. Mm-hmm. Body shots, baby. Lead with the body shots. So who's 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 the first thirty wins? Mm-hmm. Yankees, baby. Yankees. <laughs> nah. Padres are, though. They they were the first of 30. They're playing great. Tatis, Tatis Jr. is back. We the- we're talking about the AL. We don't care about the Padres. <laughs> but Tatis Jr. is back, and his bat flips are getting crazier and crazier. He was, like, dancing around the bases and shit. Right, right. It was crazy. So, like, they con- congrats to them because Padres, we did both say it when uh, MLB was starting up that we believed the Padres could take it all the way. Yeah, yeah, you know what, man? I've always been a fan of well, not always, but recently been a fan of Tatis Jr. I've I like the kid. I think what he's doing is great for baseball. I know that all the old heads who believe in these unwritten rules and and don't understand fun uh, don't like him. But I love to see his energy. I love to see him making the ridiculous plays and the ridiculous celebrations and the sky high bat flips. I I love it, man. I love it. I'm not gonna lie. I would not be angry if the Padres won. He's been on fire lately, too. And, like, the other day he hit two bombs. And, like, as the as the home runs went, the bat flips got worse. Oh, sure. <laughs> it was so, oh. But it's, like, sure. I don't know, understand why people get so mad. It's so entertaining. It's funny. But that's, that's the crazy thing. And, A, I've always told you that I'm not a good person. Like, if you catch me hitting a grand slam in a game, yeah, I'm sending that shit to, a, to the moon. If you catch me hitting multiple home runs or what, there was a game the other day that there were two grand slams in the same game. Bro, if I hit the second grand slam on my team in a game, I'm just, I'm launching that shit into the upper. See, the upper thing too, like, like I've stated before in other episodes, like I'm against the bat flip. If you're directing it directly to like, like you're starting in it. It's one thing if you already been had an issue with the pitcher, but right. you're starting an issue if you're directing the bat flip to the to the pitcher, because unless, unless it's I like like literally like the pitcher has to like throw at your head or something to be that disrespectful. But what Tati Junior does is just he's not looking staring down the pitcher. He's not. All right, being, is it disrespectful if Tatis Junior does it to Trevor Bauer? He he's done it to Trevor Bauer. I know, I know the whole covering the eye thing. But let me tell you, if I smacked one off of Trevor Bauer, if I'm Tatis Junior, I'm pointing at him 
and launching the bat as I point. Like, I'm getting <laughs> stupid kinds of disrespectful. Like, I'm already, like, I've seen on TikTok, you know, these, I'm, I follow a couple baseball guys. They break out different celebrations. As one of them is using, you know, you hit the home run and then you pretend to sign an autograph with the bat. I would do that shit and then try and hand it to the pitcher on my way around the bases. I would do some ignorant fucking shit. Or I would keep an autograph in my back pocket simply, like an autographed photo of me, simply to try and hand to the catcher or the pitcher on my way around. Like, I would do stupid shit. Like, it's a good thing that I'm nowhere near athletic enough to play in any professional sport because I'd get the shit kicked out of me. But anyway. I wish I wish I could uh, on the fly come up with like some cool thing to do unless he like sit this. He has to sit down and just plan out these fucking celebrations. That's what I'm saying. It would be like the NFL. You know how teams are practicing their their touchdown celebrations, you know, their team touchdown celebrations. That's all I'd be doing is in, in like when I'm not in the cages, when I'm not in the field, you know, practicing, doing my thing. Like I'd stay up to two, three o'clock in the morning coming up with the most ignorant. My fuck, I'd make my own TikTok and ask my fans, what do you want to see my next celebration? <laughs> I need to be somebody's fucking manager. This is a brilliant idea. Somebody hire me for the love of God. I'm full of brilliance, man. Brilliant. You gotta love him. You gotta love that. Come on. He'll work for free. Oh, hold up. <laughs> hold up. <laughs> I don't know about all that. Anyway. Uh, Tampa Bay. Bro, yes. Tampa Bay has been on fire. So, like uh, we always tell the fans, today is Monday. They fucking stomped on the Blue Jays. And they're on a 11-game win streak right you now. You said that. You said that. I, did, I haven't paid attention, to be honest yeah. I honestly, I I don't I pay attention to Tampa when you know in the standings and stuff, but I'm not yeah. sitting there watching their games unless they're playing the Yankees. Right. Um but you know, I do sit here and I'm like flipping through my apps and I'm like, you know, I catch games here and there and I'm on ESPN and I'm looking all this shit up and I look and I'm like, wait, Tampa Bay, all right, they're playing really well, you know, they're right there and it's a three way race for the AL East. And then I scroll, I'm what the fuck? Eleven wins? Mm-hmm. Like what? Mm-hmm. They're on fire right now. And yeah. what's happening is the other day, Glasnow was like their ace. He didn't pitch well in his outing, but they're right. still, they still ended up like he actually got knocked out in like four and a third innings or some shit like that. Right, it was like right. the shortest outing in a long time. And they still managed to pull that one out. Yeah. See, that's the beauty of them doing so well is that doing bad is super relative. They're on uh, now. Boston is uh, half game back. Okay. They're, not, they're not in first. They're not. Oh the no! Boston. The mighty Boston Red Sox are no longer in first place. Yeah, they're not the first to thirty wins. But I thought and, they were the greatest team ever, according to Red Sox fans. They, yeah, I don't, I don't know. They've been, they've been losing. <laughs> I don't know. They're they started so well. They were like twenty and like five or some shit, and then ended up twenty and nine, twenty nine and nineteen. Well, that's what you get, Bo Sox fans. The Yankees are a game back at twenty eight and nineteen. They're on a six game winning streak. Okay. So, uh, they play. I think tomorrow, Tuesday. Yeah. So, okay. hopefully, they'd be at twenty nine wins. I think they got a. Uh, decent series coming up soon yeah it's a division series again right now they're going to be playing the blue jays and then the tigers and then tampa bay after that okay i like our chances against the blue jays i haven't paid attention to the tigers so i think we'll win the series the blue jays are pretty frisky they're they're pretty feisty team they got bo bo bichette okay and and no matter how bad they are they always play the yankees well but yeah, I still they, love they, our chances. The AL East, they, I, they, they said it the other day, and they were like, it's literally the hardest – it is. It's the hardest division in MLB, hands yeah, down. The Orioles can come in last place in the entire league and steal, still steal a couple of wins from the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a hard division. Or, or sweep the Red Sox. Right, or sweep the Red Sox. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest team in baseball. But you get swept by the Oreos. Yeah. And I think uh, 
we've already shown as Yankees that we have the like best track record against the Orioles. Because every oh, time yeah. we play the Orioles, Aaron Judge homers every single fucking time. I agree. There's with something that. about that team. It's just like that. I don't know. They got their number, man, for sure. Let's take it. Let's let's finish this stuff out. Take me to the basketball court. So here we go. We got fucking primetime NBA games. Uh, there's a couple games on tonight. Uh, series are actually pretty fucking fun. Uh, yeah. The Wizards actually played very, very well against the 76ers. The 76ers pulled it out 125 to 118, but right. Neil and Westbrook has shown that this team is not going to go down lightly. Yeah. Yeah. Russell Westbrook. I mean, basketball, we've talked about it before. Basketball is the one sport where you can really drag a team to the finals. And we've seen plenty of players do it. Not plenty, but enough to make a sample size. Um, You know, Russell Westbrook has a real chance. And it's not like the Wizards are bum. You know, Bradley Beal is not a bum. You know, but Russell Westbrook has a real chance to claw his... If they win against the 76ers, if they can manage to take this series... I don't know if you could consider me surprised. Not like super surprised. I mean, I yeah, like, damn, he did it. You know, but I, I would be like, oh my God, he did it. I don't see them beating the 76ers. No, no. I can see them really. maybe taking a game. Just one, really. Yeah, it's just they'll be very close and put up a very good fight, but there's just – they don't have enough to get by and beat and Simmons and that, that whole – I don't think so. You never know. I mean, I, I hope. I hope. Because then it's uh, just- Yeah. I mean, don't make me go on a fuck Philly rant again. <laughs> <laughs> the Lakers got their fucking, fucking ass whooped by the, the Suns. I saw that. I Chris, saw that. Chris Paul got hurt. He was out for a little bit. He ended up coming back in the game. They said it was like a strained shoulder. Um, but And you could tell it was bothering him. He wasn't right. taking any shots. You know, right, he wasn't right. doing much besides just being like a, a court facilitator and just managing everything. Right, right. Um, but to still pull that out and and like a, a like there was I was watching the whole fourth quarter actually, and not once did the Lakers get within I think six. If you coach the Lakers and you see that Chris Paul is kind of injured like that, do you take a bet that he can't shoot and just leave him alone? Mm. No, like, you can't just, you can't just like, you like can't. He's at the top of the key. Do you not go play him? You just sit back more in the paint, let him. Nah, you got to play him from there. If he feels like it, you got to play him. You got to, even if you see that he's hurt. He's buckets from there. It don't matter if he's hurt. He's gonna throw. He's gonna. He's gonna do it. <laughs> he's gonna he's do gonna it. Pull, right, I'm just he's asking. Gonna pull the trigger. I'm just asking. And he's buckets from there. You think he can't pull a Larry Bird and shoot left-handed? Chris Paul is one of the greatest point guards ever. Ooh, that was a. Uh, was that a nice said what I said moment? Yes, I said what oh. I said. Chris oh. Paul is one of the greatest point guards ever. Like if you're ranking uh, point guards, one through ten, where does he fall? I would put him probably three. Three behind. Magic and Stockton. Okay. And who's four? Jason Kidd. Interesting. I don't know enough to disagree, but I do find that interesting. Jason, Kidd was, Jason Kidd was Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook, except he didn't dunk. Right, Jason right, right. was a triple-double machine, 101 in his career, actually. Where do you pull this from? Because it's not like – so the thing that always shocks me, and I don't know if anybody understands Hector's greatness, is because none of this is ever fucking discussed beforehand. So it's not like, oh, hey, Hector, I plan on asking you this. Why don't you look up a cool stat and bring it up? This is all spontaneous conversation, and Hector pulls that shit. And I know enough to know to not fucking challenge him. 
<laughs> it happened Thursday night, and Hector wasn't proven wrong. He was proven not right, but it was a matter of semantics. It was a tie. It was either the bait. It was a good tie. Right, right. It was. A, it was a matter of semantics as to when the common era in baseball began. But it's neither here nor there. I'm just consistently impressed by the things Hector is able to pull out of his asshole. Yeah. Anyway, that, that was my one through four. No, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, the Grizzlies. And I called it. I said what I said. I went on Sports Me and I said, with with Mitchell out, do you think John Morant and the Grizzlies can pull this out and take and steal? Like, obviously, we all agree the Jazz are going to probably win, most likely win the series, but would they steal this game? If you're going to steal a game, steal the game with Mitchell Mitchell out, right? Right. And what happened? They pulled it out. It was by three, skin of their teeth, but they pulled it out. You don't count the points after the win. You just see the win. Exactly. I didn't even look at the fucking scoreboard, uh, 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 the box score to see, you know, uh, what John Morant did. I didn't care because I was right. Because right. I was right. And as sad as I got to do it, my Knicks came out. And they balled. The game was amazing. Yes. The Madison Square Garden was rocking. And and I truly believe, and this is another, I said what I said, this is the best first round uh, series that we got out of all these teams. This is going to probably go seven games, but I'm going to stick to my six that I stated before. With the Knicks still winning. With the Knicks still winning, okay. but it, and and they had this game. They were in it the whole time. They took the lead at half. Um, Randall just had a very bad game, and I was calling it as I was watching because he was getting me mad. He did not want to be a part of it. He did not want the ball in his hands. He did right. not know what to do with the ball in his hands. He didn't want it. He kept passing it out, taking stupid shots, and shot fucking like six for twenty four. Now, so, mind you, we lost by two. If he made three extra buckets, he shoots 50%, you know, or 40, 45% of his field goals, we win the game by, like, six. So do you attribute that to, like, first game nerves? Do you – is this is this going to be a systemic problem for Randall in the postseason? I don't think so. I just think he felt the pressure on that one. Okay. So you think he's got it out of his system and he's going to come back? Yeah, I think the the way the garden was fucking rocking and right. he's supposed to be the man and he, he just felt that pressure. He didn't want no part of it. I'm going to believe he's going to shake that off. Fair enough. I love the fact that RJ Barrett came to ball. Right, you were saying. Obi Toppin got you know, decent minutes and, and showed up, throw some formers, bro. Like he was both of them throwing on people's heads. And then D Rose, D Rose being who that man is just coming in and showing why D Rose Mm -hmm. is one of only four players to have a debut like Trey Young's where he scores 30 and 10 assists. The other two people is fucking, I believe LeBron James and Chris Paul. Again, I know enough to know not to question you. Um, but do you think, <clears throat> excuse me. Which is why Chris Paul is uh, number three on my list. Fair enough. Do you think that this loss could actually be a good thing for the Knicks? Right? So say they come out and win and the pressure builds and the pressure builds to a point where it, their confidence gets too high and then their first loss of the postseason it absolutely destroys them where now they've got this humbling experience out of the way. They've been quieted in their own home. Do you think that this kind of experience, not that they got destroyed again, they lost by two, but that this kind of humbling experience brings them down to earth and much like, you know, I guess this piggybacks off the Randall question. They're able to bounce back from this and have, have learned from it. I, I, that's what I think. Now there's, there's a few factors. Like right now, I know Noel got a little injured toward the end of the game and he was pulled out and Todd Gibson went in. 
And I hope this is not an injury to the point where he's going to miss this next game or right. miss any any long extent of the series. Right. Um, because that's a that's the second big man we'll we'll lose. That's then right. we're just Taj Gibson. Randall's probably gonna have to play some five. Obi Toppin's gonna probably gonna get a lot extra minutes. Right. Go out the flow. Um, if he plays, I believe Randall comes out and they this is the guard first, the garden's gonna come out even Trey Young woke a beast that he was he is not ready for. That's a question I've got for you about Trey Young. Trey Young, it, he, I get it. He's a fantastic player. I thought I think he's an amazing player, but he came into New York City, into Madison Square Garden, and 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 really poked the the one bear, the one you know lion in the jungle you don't want to poke. So that's that's kind of my next question. Is I don't remember if I'm stealing this from Sports Me. If somebody put up a battle. If I remember reading an article about this, but Trey Young has kind of, at least in New York, taken on the villain role, at least been placed in the villain role, right? He is, he's the bad guy, especially in New York. He is the bad guy. Well, he definitely just put himself there. Well, should he embrace that though? Should he? He's, he is, obviously. He came out and he was for, for one game, for one game. But now, you know, with all the talk with New York, him being like public enemy number one in the great state of New York. Should he embrace that? Should he come out next game, the villain and, and not just come out and okay, I'm going to come out here and play and try and shut well, you up. He's... Come out and tell him the fans, yep. you know, should he embrace that villain aspect and get under the next skin? Oh yeah. He's definitely going to embrace that. He's definitely going to embrace that. He's gonna I, take I think it he should. He's gonna take it in and he already knows that's my thing. If I keep showing up and I keep balling, they can't stop me. I'm I'm winning because I'm getting under theirs. That but, floater, bro. Oh, that but floater. it's going to bite him in the ass if he has a bad game. That's because true. there's nothing worse than everyone in Madison Square. Yo, Madison Square Garden is built for that shit to just echo. Trust me, I've been in the garden while it's been shaking. I've been to a couple Rangers games, especially against the Bruins, where that shit shakes. I know all about it. 15,000 fans, and that's not even full capacity. Mm-hmm. 15,000 fans will still make that shit shake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, real quick, uh, full capacity, just as a small caveat here, the Meadowlands will be at full capacity this year, sir. <laughs> And so to end it real quick, I hope that next game uh, they come out and they ball. I truly believe Alfred Payton needs to fucking get benched. He should not be starting. It should be D-Rose starting. You can have quickly come off the bench in that point guard position and have Alfred Payton be the point backup or even start Neil Aquino for defense on, on Trey Young because Alfred Payton did absolutely dick squat diddly. He was taken out of the game like three minutes into the fucking first quarter. All right, man, you know who to call. You got the numbers on speed dial, man. Make those calls tonight. Let's get it going, man. We need the Knicks to win. Let's I already called Tom. Up. I already called Tom. I said, yo, if Peyton's starting next game, we're losing this match. You can't do it. If if Tom, if Tibbs does exactly what you say, I I will start spreading the rumor on TikTok, Sports Me, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you do have his personal cell phone number. I will start. I will start that rumor if it happens because <laughs> I will firmly believe it. Um, <laughs> with that being said, guys, um, go Knicks, go Yankees. Um, I guess go fuck Islanders. Too. Everything. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Philly and Boston, and uh, tune in in a quick second for the trivia question. Breaking down the tape would like to remind its fans to please drink responsibly and do not forget that the trivia question will be up on our social medias. So feel free to answer there or write into us at breaking down the tape at yahoo.com. Flash! Ah! <laughs> anyway, shout out to my question last week, which, which was. Which NFL team has played in both both the single hottest and single coldest games in NFL history? Jesus. That was a tough one. I think I said the Bears. 
You said the Bears. I know Christy and Sarah both said something along. I think they said the Packers or the Bears, uh, which isn't bad mentalities. Pat Starro cheated, but I'll give him both because he's wrong either way. Um, actually, no, he's not wrong either way. So I'll give him first the one that he got wrong, uh, which was the Green Bay Packers. Joel Maldonado got the San Diego Chargers wrong. Um, and Starro's, oh, and my mother guessed pretty much every NFL team uh, in the book, but got it wrong. Uh, Starro got it right with his second guess, so he will get this halfway correct. It is he gets the nod. Yeah, he gets he gets the, the nod. Yes, the sus nod. Are we going up? Is is it going to be the up nod or the down nod? I give him the up. <laughs> the 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 synchronicity of that. Um, uh, so it is the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that is that is the team who has played in both the single hottest game and single coldest game uh, to date in NFL history. So congratulations to the Cowboys, I guess. They probably uh, lost both of them. And and the uh, the the head nod to Pat Starro. So uh, this next trivia question we have. So I, that again, I we just don't keep score, but we're winning, and that's all that matters. Yeah, that's a fact. I'm gonna start keeping score as of today. We're six and two. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, we make the rules, okay? We make the records. We make the we rules. Make the rules. <laughs> we gotta actually go back and like figure. If out. you guys want to keep score of your trivia, then go make your own podcast with trivia. <laughs> right now, we have it, so it's six to two. Um, <laughs> the Detroit Lions. Here's the question: The Detroit Lions became part of the NFL in 1930. Who was the first Lions quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards in a single season? I'm telling you, I'm right. It's Matt Stafford. (laughs) I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. I'm saying Matt Stafford just for the fact that he's the only Lions quarterback I have ever known because the Lions are the Lions. (laughs) Doo-doo. So one last time, uh, neither confirming nor denying Matt Stafford, the Detroit Lions became part of the National Football League in 1930. Who was the first Lions quarterback to throw for over 4,000 yards in a single NFL season? Please hold while your hosts go crack another beer. In the meantime, you're welcome to grab some alcohol of your own. and Like, follow, and share us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and SportsMe for all of your football and sports needs. And we're back with a new segment called Interesting Story of the Week. So generally, these will be sports-related, um, and this week they both are. So I'll start it off with the um, the story about Eugene Chung. Um, he's uh, He's been in the NFL. He's played as a lineman. He was a former lineman, I believe, with, like, the Eagles. Um, he's been in the co- – he's been an offensive line coach for various teams, I believe, back on the Eagles, the Chiefs. Um, he's a Korean American. Um, and the reason that I bring that up is because while, uh, applying for head coaching jobs in the NFL, he was told that he is quote, not the right minority. Um, so that's obviously a fucking problem. I don't care what skin color you are or what your beliefs are. I genuinely don't, but that statement and that mentality is obviously an issue. Um, so what is it called? The Rooney rule, I believe in the NFL, uh, that teams must interview X amount of minorities. Um, and the NFL, I believe has, um, a compensatory system that you get X amount of draft picks. They're not like first or second rounds. Um, but they are draft picks all the same in the supplemental draft, um, based off of how many minority coaches you have on your team. Um, you can disagree or agree with this system. I'm back and forth on it, honestly, but I yeah. believe that it creates issues. At least it has a hand in this particular issue. How do you say that to somebody? Like, this is one of those things that, you know, you can debate whether it's right or wrong to kingdom come and how you can debate it's a right statement is beyond me. But if you want to be an idiot, you want to be an idiot and that's your choice. But how you, as an NFL executive, as um, 
a man in the public eye, I guess, or maybe the NFL execs aren't, but how do you say this out loud? You should something? be fired immediately. Right. Like, Hey, I'm sorry. You're not the, you're not the minority we're looking for. Not, Hey man, I'm sorry. It's just, we're, we want to go in a different direction. Hey, we don't think you interviewed well. Hey, you interviewed great. You know, we'll get back to you, whatever the deal may be. How do you say you're not the right minority? Like, how is that a thing that you, you don't say fit the description of a minority or some shit like that too? Like, yeah, that's, that's just mad. Straight up, if you're not white, you're a minority. Point blank, no. period. If right. you are not white, it doesn't matter what kind of white, doesn't matter right. what your skin tone. If you in blood are of Caucasian, Caucasian. like are you white? Right. Like you are mm-hmm. a minority. And on Sports Me, Run Boys Robbie talked about this today and asked, how do we move forward? And look, I'll be the first person to say, I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is. I would love to live in a world where the person that's best for the job gets the job, but I'm not ignorant or naive. And I know that we don't live in a world that is like that. I I know that the right person doesn't always get the job. And I know that in a world where you are incentivized to hire minorities, that's going to play some sort of a factor. Unfortunately, it does. I want to know the team that fucking said it, honestly. I just, I know it's naive and wishful thinking. I just wish we could hire the right fucking people for the job. I wish that this wasn't a thing. You know, I've, and I, I've explained this to many people about the Robert Salah, you know, first Muslim head coach issue. And people are like, oh my God, why does it matter? It matters because it's the first time. It matters because we're taking steps towards it no longer mattering. You know what I mean? Like if, if, yeah. Finally, we start hiring people that are right for the job instead of because they look like me and everybody else that hires, then then great. Then we're moving towards a world that it no longer matters. You know, but this, I, I believe that oh, this man. statement and this mentality doesn't help us move forward. You're not the right minority. What the fuck? If, if, if they bug out about, you know, Eugene, imagine the day that a woman wants to be a fucking head coach. Right. I mean, shit, women are already making movements to do their thing, but people would freak. They would protest NFL so bad. If one day the jets was like, this woman is the per, I mean, yeah, we are seeing more assistant coaches and stuff like that. The women, I promise you there'll be a fucking freak out. Yeah. as a head coach because it's going to happen eventually a woman yeah. will be a head coach eventually one day I hope um, I'm to see it oh yeah hell yeah um, but it, it it's going to be I, I said what I said it's Cleese and Salados Lois Cook let's do it be the goddamn Jets head I'm telling you man I, <laughs> I am a fucking guru <laughs> give Hector a job Lois um, but no, it's just, this is an interesting story to me because it's just, this is madness. It's just madness to me. Um, and, and you could slide into my DMs and argue with me all you want, but this is just, it's not right. It's not right in the slightest, but he's good I enough to get off of my soapbox. What? He's good enough for the assistance position, right? That, that, the, the position he's in right now, but he's not the right mm-hmm. minority right now. Really? He's not the right minority? There's literally anti-Asian hate crimes going on right now. Mm-hmm. Like, what mm-hmm. are you talking about? He's the right minority for those, you know, for nationwide hate crimes, but, you know, not the right minority for a head coaching job. And, I mean, this is a coach. Now, not to say that this means he's going to be the greatest coach ever, but he's coached under Andy Reid for six years. From, like, 2013 to th- 2019, he was with the Chiefs under Andy Reid. Is that not? Is that not a decent resume is that not the team that you should be a part of to at least get some sort of nod you know I don't know. offensive linemen have been one of the, the best head coaches in most of nfl mm-hmm. and don't and don't come after me people well he should have spent time as a coordinator before he wanted a head coaching job bro there is like three head coaches right now that were former linebacker coaches shut the fuck up Shut you don't have to be a fucking up. offensive or defensive coordinator to be 
like that shouldn't be the standard. Oh, you have to have this position in order yeah. to take this position. Yeah, no, that's that's absolute dog shit. Urban Meyer was just hired and he never fucking coached a day in the NFL. Shut the fuck up. And I truly, truly believe he's gonna be a Nick Saban. Good in college, not that very great in the NFL. Right. So I really don't want to hear anybody's bullshit about <laughs> shut the fuck up. Learn a little bit more about football and then talk to me. Anywho, without insulting our potential fans, anyone. And you know, if you're a fan like that, I don't want you to be a fan, frankly. I really don't care about your fucking listenership if that's the way you're going to be. Uh, because A, it shows a complete ignorance of understanding of the sport. And that means we can't have a conversation. And it shows an even bigger ignorance about like human rights and human decency. So, which and, I wouldn't want to see you in person then, like at right, the whole. Like, right. Yeah. I don't want you listening to me. In fact, I want you to tell all of your friends how I'm a piece of shit for advocating for people in different positions. Like if one day you saw me walking across the street, good, stay across the street. Stay across (laughs) the street, yeah, right, right. Hey, you're that guy who thinks Eugene Chung should get a job. Fuck you. Oh, really? (laughs) This conversation. Anyway, and I'm not, by the way, I, I don't know shit about his coaching. I don't. It's not for me because, you know, if he's a shit coach, then he shouldn't get the job. But it's about the statement. You're not the yeah. right minority we're looking for. That's that's the issue that I'm drawing here. But again, anywho, I don't need to fucking defend myself. Okay, that was Get away, Hector. <laughs> Full of vitriol today. Hell yeah. Um, my story, interesting story of the week, is um, former Panthers tight end Greg Olson. Uh, he just retired uh, in January. He played most of his career in uh, the Panthers organization, uh, spent his last year in Seattle. But even though he was in, uh, playing for Seattle, his family stood in Charlotte. He permanently is staying in Charlotte. He loves Charlotte. Um, and it's a... It's a this was a little sad. Uh, his eight-year-old boy, TJ, uh, has a congenital heart defect and required um, four surgeries and three open heart procedures. Jesus. And um, he went through all that by the age of eight. Jesus. Um, and he's, I mean, he got it pretty much very, I think he got it by the time he was like three. So he's lived a pretty decent life with, the success of the surgery. Right, right. You know, for so far, because he's only eight. And de- I said decent life, like an asshole, but... Uh, right, right. Yeah, I know what you're saying. He got eight years right now living a very nice life, and now they came out. Um, and uh, Greg Olson has put millions of his own money into building a hospital strictly of doctors that work only on this kind of procedures and this kind of um i, I don't even know what to call it it's just so sad right. um this kind of medical issue yeah uh so they are actually in it and it's really right located right there in charlotte they are actually um the ones taking care of this uh tj2 um it's insane that his now you know, reconstructed heart is failing. And now he needs a heart transplant. And you know how hard that shit is? Yeah. Yeah, especially for an eight-year-old, man. And no matter how famous or rich you are, you know how hard is it to get a heart? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this isn't like a kidney. Right. Like you can go get that from a living person who's willing to give it up or a part of their liver from a living person or a lung even from a living person that's willing to give it up. This is something that somebody else needs to die for. Um, That's that's just it's tough. It's tough. It's tough all the way around. And I I don't know what else to say. I obviously can't put myself in Greg Olson's shoes. I pray to God that I never need to. Um, you know, him or his family. And all, all I will say on your piece is um, my heart, my love, my thoughts, my prayers, my whatever 
cosmic energy, anything. My everything and anything goes out to them. I follow. Thank you to all of our fans listening to this point. Breaking Down the Tape would like to remind you to please like, follow, and share us on all of our social medias and subscribe where you get your podcasts. Again, that is YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, SportsMe, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please like, follow, share, and thank you to the fans. Julio, 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 where art thou, Julio? Ooh, I like that. Um, so just to recap the timeline here, I don't know what, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, reports came out that the Falcons were interested and at least hearing Cole. From head honcho himself. Right, right. So that's a lot. Not that they were interested, that they were seeking to trade Julio Jones. And then the story turned into, well, they're not actively trading him. They're just listening to phone calls. And then we find out that, hey, during the draft, it was as early as the NFL draft. As early as the phone calls for Julio Jones and that they wanted a first, like you said. And then we find out, I think the news broke, what, today or yesterday, that Julio was the one who requested the trade. It's not like the Falcons went behind his back or anything, as he said he wants out, and the Falcons obliged by at least listening to offers. What do you, first of all, before we get into the rest of it, what do you make of this situation? Like, apparently, the Falcons drafting Kyle Pitts did nothing to Julio's mentality. No. (laughs) So, I truly believe that he, and I said it before, I said it, when they they drafted Calvin Ridley, I said, Julio Jones is not happy about that. Because you're saying, that's my new number one. Right. Yeah, you've said that. That's true. That's my new number one. And mind you, Calvin Ridley is a great receiver. He put up fantastic numbers, but that's why Julio Jones' numbers weren't so great. Mind you, Julio Jones had injuries, too. He only was able to play nine games, threw up 777 yards for, like, three TDs and uh, 60 catches. Right. But that's that's a, a, a... whole 16 game season for most receivers in the league anyway. Right. Right. So that means and all the teams and everything and Calvin Ridley's getting, you know, the touches because he's open. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause you have to respect Julio. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Must by bracketing, you know, getting help over top. There's, there's no way that you don't. So no one knows exactly how Calvin Ridley's going to be as a number one. And when they got Calvin Ridley, I think Julio Jones was upset. That's why he went into it and he was like, all right, they might take Kyle Pitts this year. And at this point, I don't even care because I I don't want to be here. And they're not winning. Right. And they're not winning. He said he wants to win. So my thing is also he's taking – he's yo, people are listening to the Brady effect. I want to win. So he's like, I'll take my – because he's due, I think – 15 this year, 11 and 11, like it's 11 and a half over right, the next right. two seasons after that. He's cheap. 38 right. mil over the next three seasons. He's cheap. Right, for Julio Jones. Right. And he's willing to be like, shit, I already made my money over 10 seasons. Why not just go win? Okay. So with that mentality, where do you think he will go? That's hard. Like, who – the Falcons are definitely going to be hardball. They're going to want, you know, what they want. And there's a handful of teams that I – yeah, I mean, me, go to the Jets. They got all the draft capital, all the picks, all the money. Brand a better receiver like Julio Jones on that team as a true number one, taking pressure off of Mims, taking pressure off of uh, Braxton Berrios, taking pressure off of Zach Wilson. Oh, yeah. They just yeah. got a homeboy this draft. Um, can't even remember his name right now. As yeah, a I know who you're talking about. Um, out of Ole Miss. But I'm staring at him, yeah. but the name is outside of me. Ah, uh, fuck. But I know who you're talking about, yeah. So, like... 
that would be a true number. And it's a, I true. And that defense is stout yeah. as fuck. A young team, a reliable receiver, you know, to help Zach out. Uh, you know, I, I think that the Jets have plenty of not only draft capital, but, but also, you know, actual cap room. So, but realistically, um, man, you should have never said that. I like because it's not going to happen. It makes sense, but it's not going to happen. Um, I like, I know they're saying like the Broncos and they're saying uh, maybe the Colts. I like the 49ers. It's I like them going with Shanahan, teaming back up, and, and you know, I, that that'd make them filthy. Showing I how to be Julio Jones. It's funny you say that because I've also heard the Broncos, the Colts. I've heard that the Packers are going to try and get a shiny new toy to keep Rogers happy. I don't think it matters. Um, but I do. I like the 49ers. I think him and Kittle side by side would be genuinely devastating. And then I don't know how they would pull it off. I'm not completely abreast of the 49ers situation. But if they were to get Julio Jones first, I would then turn around to Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers and say, are these enough weapons for you? We've got a pretty damn good running game. We've got a meh passing game but now we've got julio jones we've already got george kittle we've got a pretty damned good defense you don't have to play the fucking that line is top five in the league is this a team sir you got a west coast offense with shanahan that loves to just fling it around Mm-hmm. it's gonna take that run game's gonna take a hell of a lot of pressure off of you you've got plenty of weapons you don't have to worry about bad weather anymore Mm-hmm. Freezing your ass off for no damned reason. Yo, it could be mid-December and you'll have a nice, you know, brisk 65. Mm-hmm. So, just to caveat off of this, do you think that the Niners would yeah, be you able... just sell it to Aaron Rodgers and go to San Fran? <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, do you think if they get Julio that that's their next step? If Julio's smart... Well, he doesn't really have the option of of where he's going to go, but... um... No, I mean, yes, straight speaking, no, he doesn't. But he asked for a trade, and the Falcons are at least listening. So they do put some value in what he wants. And they said that they don't want to trade him in the NFC. They want him in the AFC. But they would only do NFC if it's for the right price. Sure, but I mean, I think that's a... Not great response. I mean, I get not wanting to trade him within the NFC South. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't know why they said that, but they did. Well, I get why, because, you know, you only play an AFC team once every four years. You know what I mean? You only have four AFC games, whereas now you have 13 NFC games. So, I, I mean, I get it. It makes ish sense, but I just think that would be silly for them not to consider that again i don't know what san fran's draft capital looks like i don't know would they be willing to trade for like how sold are the falcons on matt ryan so like if the the niners package jimmy garoppolo in this for julio jones i don't know who they'd have at quarterback but well assuming they'd make a push for aaron Rodgers. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. Is would some sort of three-way deal happen where the the Niners could walk away with Rodgers and Julio and give up pretty much the next ten years of their future? Uh, maybe. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Yeah, but it's in, it's interesting in and of itself. But you bring up a, a good question that I should have asked first: Will the Falcons even trade Julio? They've been passively listening. Do you think there is a scenario that is good enough for them for him to trade him? Yeah, because I mean, obviously on the Falcons' end, right? Like three number ones, yeah, they'll trade him, right? But I'm talking like realistic scenarios. Yeah, they're gonna trade him because regardless, one hundred percent. Yeah, they're gonna trade him because regardless, Julio's gonna force them to. You, he'll he'll sit out. He'll retire. He'll he'll retire for all he fucking cares. Do you really think he would do that? I don't think he'll get to the extent of retiring, but like, hmm. it is an option. He's played ten years. He's thirty-two. 
Hmm. You know, Megatron retired at 35. True that. True that. You know? Um, so you're saying it's a 100% guarantee that they're trading him before the season. If he wants out, they're going to they're gonna get him out. They're gonna, hmm. They don't want the drama that these other guys give teams. They're going to be like, yeah. once Julio Jones says he wants out, the all-time leading receiver for fucking the Falcons, the only right. thing he's buying is touchdowns to Roddy White. Like, right, right. <laughs> by three, like literally, you could play week one, get three touchdowns, he ties them. Right. Like, they're gonna get him out. Um, it just depends on who's willing to give up the most. But the more, and teams know it, the more you wait it out the less the value goes down. Like it just So that was gonna be my question. So you're saying he one hundred percent guarantees get traded. Is that a one hundred percent before the season starts or before the trade deadline? I say before this all the Falcons are waiting for him because they're saying they're gonna trade him in the next week. Cause all they were waiting for is for June first. Right. So they can save money on the cap hit. Right, right, right. If they would have traded him before June first, then they would have had to like eat up so much dead money. Right. And then after June first, they get to save like fucking almost seventeen mil or sixteen mil, some shit like that. So that's that's the biggest that it doesn't matter really more or other things. Well, I, I have heard that the the his value is gonna drop to a second rounder, not a first. Well, I think if they could have gotten a first for him, it would have happened during the draft. I think if they could have gotten a first for him, the Jets would have done it. They were not trying to trade him then. Well, that's what the reports were saying is that they they wanted a number one for him during the draft. That's what reports are coming out saying. So whether they actively shopped him I don't know whether they waited for somebody to call with a number one. I don't know. The reports I've read haven't been that specific, but I feel like if now this is just me, if he was on the table during the draft, the Jags would have been better off trading Travis Etienne's pick for Julio Jones. See, I read it and they had to eat dead money. If they wait, if they traded him before June 1st, and I mean that's I'm not saying that that's not true. I don't know. I don't know. I think he gets out. It just depends on who's willing to give up the most. I do. So what does he go for? Me, I definitely think he's worth the first though. Really? I think a first, a first, and a a first and a third. So you're Joe Douglas, the New York Jets. You call up and June 2nd rolls around. First and a third, and obviously you got to eat up. You're probably going to have to eat up his, his guaranteed contract for the year. Sure. But you're Joe Douglas, June 2nd, 12.01. You call, I don't know who the fuck the GM of the Falcons is. I said, I have two number ones next year. I'll give you the latter number one. I'll give you a number four and eat the entire contract. I'd take it. You'd take it. I'd fucking take it. Shit, you want extra? Because the Jets have enough. They, the Jets could even... They're the only ones that can really do it. Or and Besides the Dolphins, it's be well, like... That's why the whole eating the contract comes into play. The eat the contract. Fuck that. I'll give you a first. I'll give you a third. Nope. I'll give you a sixth. No, nah, that's too many. Three no, nah, three draft picks is too many. If I'm eating the contract, you get two draft picks. I'll no, give I'm them fine. three if they if they take. No, no, they won't eat the contract. That's the thing. I'll eat the contract if I'm the Jets because I have ridiculous cap room. But I'm not giving you three picks and eating the contract. You want three picks? Then I'm not gonna eat the eat the contract. Fuck you. Like, uh, why would I take that hit and give away three picks? It depends on the year you're giving him it away, though. The years. That's true. I mean, a number one next year and what? A number three the year after? And a number, in, in your in your mind, a number six the year after? That's still year. expensive. Yeah, well, yeah. It's still expensive for me. I'm just saying, if, if I'm going to eat the cap 
then then I want it for two picks. And I don't want to give you my number three. I want to give you my number four. I still say the Jets should make an executive office of draft negotiations, and that should be my title. (laughs) The executor of negotiations of the NFL draft. Boom. Before they make a trade, they come knock on your door. (laughs) (laughs) We've been listening to breaking down the tape, and... (laughs) But you know what? Next time you come with some ridiculous shit like this, you put it in a piece of paper, <laughs> put, it down, put it in an envelope, and drop it in my mailbox. And I'll come to you in about three to five business days with a response. Something so goddamn stupid. Respectfully. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I don't know, guys. I want to hear what you guys think. Please write into us. Let us know. Um, will the Falcons trade Julio Jones? If they do, where will they go? People and are saying the past, too. What the fuck do you think about the past? I'm not surprised that they've had internal conversations. And I mean, for the very same reason that I think it would be a good idea for the Jets, it'd be a good idea for the Patriots. I mean, starting a struggling Cam Newton with an improved tight end core, a defense that's coming back and a, a safety blanket of Julio Jones, that could be extremely dangerous. Uh, you know what I mean? So I, they're I obviously I not great Cam's at drafting. Julio fitting well. What? Cam's game fitting well with Julio's. Yes and no. I, no from the aspect of profit sharing. You know what I mean? Like he, you say that he wants out because it spelt the end when they got Calvin Ridley. And I'm not disagreeing with you, but I agree with you from the aspect of the games don't match because Cam will obviously be profit sharing with his own, you know, uh, run pass options, with his own, you know, with with throwing to Jonu Smith, you know, with with all of that, with Hunter Henry, you know, those are those are some decent pass catching, better than decent pass catching tight ends. So that I think would be a detractor, but I think the respect that Julio must garner from defenses opens everything else up, and. I think he's a great throw and pray receiver for Cam. I think he's an amazing route runner that's going to make Cam's life way easier. You know, imagine an RPO. He tucks the ball, you know, he instead of handing it off, he takes it for a bootleg, and now half the team is bitten, and, and Julio's left alone. That'll happen at least four times a game. Easy peasy. And then, yeah. God forbid, you're smart enough to fucking cover Julio. There's Hunter Henry. There's John U. Smith. There's Cam actually running the fucking ball or fucking handed. I think that Julio Jones on the Patriots immediately becomes a goddamn problem. And they have just enough to take the cap hit. Yeah. So, you know, I think it will cost them, especially the Patriots. If I'm the Falcons and Bill Belichick calls me, yeah. Yeah, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you severely because I know what happens next. We've all read this fucking book before. So, you know what I mean? And then God forbid they fucking sign Julio to a decent contract. Now he gets fucking Mac Jones. We've watched this movie. Yeah. I've seen this before. So he gets Julio Jones for three years, 38 mil. And by next season, they extend him on a on a four year, forty million dollar deal, forty five million dollar deal plus extend incentives. I've I've watched this movie. I know how it plays out. Okay. And they'll the restructure that once they start seeing a drop in his numbers because he's getting up in age, and they'll end up tossing him. Nah, I mean, I think Julio Jones is like some of the better pitchers in the MLB, right? Guys who throw gas when they're young, but they said like CC Sabathia, one of the hardest throwers when he's young, when he got older, he couldn't throw that gas anymore. So he had, he'd started to develop a mean changeup. I think Julio Jones is the same way. Yeah. He could take you and blow you over the top right now, but as he starts to get up there in age, don't sleep on this man's route running. Don't in the slightest. It's There's a reason that he's better than Antonio Brown and OBJ in yards per game at almost 100. 
There's a reason. Like, he, actually, he, he blows it out the water. All time, he averages a 95.6. Second to him is actually Calvin Johnson. Right. Check this out. I think it's like 86.7. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I rest my case. I'm not worried about Julio Jones getting old because I think that his footwork and his route running, well, sure, he's not going to get you, you know, 95 yards per game, but he'll get you a respectable 80. He's a leaner Calvin Johnson. That's why he lasted longer. And he's on a slightly better team than Calvin Johnson was and Calvin Johnson was getting beat the fuck up. Right. Right. Because at least the fucking Falcons had the balls and the wherewithal to draft fucking Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. You know what I mean? So, and where the Lions never did anything for Calvin Johnson. No, it was just Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson, and that's it. Right. Exactly. You know, so if, and to, to round it right back to where you started, if Julio goes to the Patriots, I think they'll have to pay, but I think the rest of the NFL will. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because- I'm not, I, I'm telling you if that happens, I'll, I'll die knowing that my Jets never won a Super Bowl while I was alive. Yep. 100%. 100%, because that's just, that is ungodly and unfair. Uh, and uh, much like Mac Jones going to the Patriots, this is another nightmare of mine that I fear is going to come true. Because again, I've watched this movie. We've all seen this movie. I said the same thing with Mac. We've seen this movie. We know how this plays out. And we know how this will play out. So, again, guys, let us know. Will the Falcon trade Julio? Where will he go? What will they get for him? Like, follow, share, YouTube, Facebook, SportsMe, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you can find us. Write us at BreakingDownTheTape at Yahoo.com. Feel Hector's nipples. Talk to me in person. You can always slide in our DMs. Um, If you guys have any comments, suggestions, uh, Thursday Night Lives, guys, we, we absolutely have a goddamn ball. They're usually supposed to be 30 minutes, and they go for like two hours. Yangling, yes, Dick, if you want to support us, um, I still got to get on emailing them. I can't I can't imagine anywhere else you guys can find us. That's pretty much it. So, find me at my house. I'm not going to give you my address. <laughs> me, just know that I'll probably beat you up for trying to find me. Hector, if you want to be beat up by a man in a banana hammock, visit Hector. Um, it's happened to the best of us. With that being said, said what I said. Said what I said.